You're listening to WAMTAS, the only podcast on the internet that takes comedy seriously. Thanks for listening to WAMTAT. Hello and welcome to WAMTAT. I'm your host, Waffles. This episode, due to circumstances, my creative juices are running on empty. So I'm doing a Q&A. That's right, I outsourced my creative process to the Patreons. If you would like to be part of the creative process, join the Patreon. That's enough of me shilling for capitalism. Viva la revolution. Uh, let's overthrow governments and whatever. But I'm too tired for that at the moment. But what I'm not too tired for is answering your many, many questions. And so, let's get on to that. You can learn a bit more about me and the world and everything else, because as we all know, Waffles has all the answers, which is what I will be proving to you this episode. Uh, So without any further ado, I'm going to be answering your questions. The first question that came in, cats? Uh, The answer, of course, being yes. Uh, The second... Uh, the second question is, what is the most outrageous thing I've ever done in public? Wow, that's, this is, uh, this is difficult to answer, not because I haven't done anything outrageous, but because I've done too many outrageous things, uh, whether it is public singing, um, whether it is doing an entire drama class in nothing but my boxes, uh, whether it is going to school one day in my sister's uniform and, you know, having my hair and makeup done uh, by all of the girls in my class and then being hit on at lunch uh, by one of my uh, fellow students. That's, that was pretty outrageous. And apparently I've got a just mm, gorgeous ass, uh, or at least according to uh, one kid who wolf whistled at me um so yeah i'm not sure what the most outrageous thing i've ever done in public there are probably some stuff that i've just completely forgotten uh, about um so yeah any any hidden camera shows uh they want to just follow me around and capture some of the most outrageous stuff that i just do on my day-to-day life um hit me up because more outrageous stuff will definitely follow um so yeah uh sorry i can't really answer that one uh, it's just uh, take your pick imagine something outrageous and the chances are probably pretty good that i've done it um so yeah top five waffle toppings ranked as uh, as a waffle, I find this question a bit offensive, but I'm going to take it in the the kind, spirited way that I'm assuming it was asked, and answer it earnestly and honestly. Uh, the first, of course, just being maple syrup. Uh, so that's number five. Um, so the bottom right of the top five, maple syrup, just plain, basic, whatever. Number number four uh, is a bit of good uh, whipped cream. Uh, if you whip it just with a little bit of icing sugar, just to bring out the sweetener, but not too much. You don't want to over-sweeten the cream, but you just want enough in there, just so you're not e- eating, you know, solid milk. Uh, you just want a little bit of something there, but that's mm, good. That's mm, that's the good stuff, right? Number three, fresh berries. Or frozen, just berries in general. 
right? Berries and waffles go well together, right? Uh, and so that's, you know, there are good combinations, little grooves, little berries can go in. It's, it's good. Uh, now, the number two might be a bit controversial, but coffee. Coffee and waffles. Go together, you get a waffle, you dunk it in your coffee. I, I don't know whether you'd count it as, as a topping, because you don't really top the, the waffle with the coffee, but coffee and waffles go well together. And, of course, the number one ranked waffle topping of all time is waffles. You get a waffle, you put another waffle on top of it, you can't beat it. Uh, so that's uh, my that that's my top five rankings for waffles. Uh, and so just to reiterate reiterate that uh, again, uh, the top five waffle rankings is is number five. It is uh, just any sort of syrupy liquid. Uh, just get a syrup, add some sugar to it, and you're good. Uh, number four is just cream. Uh, number number five. Uh, number number three. See, I'm tired. Number three. I'm gonna upgrade it to fruit. In general, number three is fruit. Number two, any hot drink. Screw it. It's been promoted. Any hot drink and waffles go together. Cold drinks, not so much. If you if you're drinking cold drinks and eating waffles, I, you're a weird person, and I would be interested to meet you. And of course, the number one topping for waffles is just more waffles. Because uh, everybody, I think we can all agree, could use some more waffles in their life. Uh, the next question is, what makes Van Gogh's work so eye-catching? But also, why is it better when cats are added to it? <clears throat> I would say, for the second part of that question, refer back to question one. For the, for the first part of that question, Van Gogh was very innovative with his brush strokes and especially when you were looking at his work he would paint his artwork directly onto your eyeballs and so what a lot of people don't know is a lot of the van goghs that we have just around the world in collections and museums and galleries are actually recreations of works that he painted directly onto people's eyes and of course, we have tried to preserve as many of the original eyeballs as we can, but they are very, very delicate. And and so a lot of the, the recreations, which I, I think just don't really capture that initial essence of having a, a, a very renowned artist like paint their work directly on your eyes, right? And of course, if you were very, very special and very, very patient, he would paint the artwork onto onto the cornea of your eye. He would go into your eyeball and, and paint it onto the cornea so that when you were looking through the world, you were literally looking through the world as Van Gogh himself would have seen it, right? So the very innovative with his brushstrokes is what I would say, but I'm not really an art critic, so just take my take my opinion uh, for what it's worth. Um, next question. If I had to quantum leap into somebody's life, who and why and what would I do? Um, this is this is difficult because there are so many um, so many historical figures who I could potentially ruin the lives of. 
and so whether uh, it would be some sort of dictator, uh, we you jump into them right at the moment of decision, where they're just really about to plunge the world into some sort of horrid darkness, or whether it is some uh, discovery not yet made that you could bring light back into. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. This is this is one of those once again too many options things. This might be one of those uh, decision paralysis uh, things working. Um, I mean, what I could do is just go all the way back to one of the first humans, or back when humans bottlenecked, and there were only what like three hundred of us left on the planet, and just go on a murderous rampage and just wipe us out. Because there is, of course, the debate whether or not humanity was a mistake or not. So you could do that, or you could go back and, you know, maybe just something inconsequent. Go back and be a peasant. You know, just living your lives as a hunter-gatherer. Go back and, uh, you know, go back to ancient Egypt and introduce them to penicillin. And see see how things would have changed. Um, maybe I'll do that. I would go back into ancient Egypt and introduce penicillin. Because, you know, it's a fungus and it's everywhere. And so, you know, just really just speed ramp humanity and and see what's going Or um, go back about 100 years uh, to one of those petrol execs and be like, you know what, carbon, uh, carbon is destroying the planet, fossil fuels, maybe we shouldn't be burning them. Maybe we should invest in clean, clean energy, you know, about 100 years earlier. So that's your options. Pick one of them. Um, Next question. I'm not quite sure why this question is here, and you, you, when I read it, you'll you'll understand. Are buses better or worse when they are double deckers? Now, buses don't exist. I I don't know what to tell you guys. Go back and listen to the first episode of the show. Buses are a myth. And and so, you know, you take a, a fictional vehicle and you put another fictional vehicle on top of it. It's still a fictional vehicle. There are no, there's no such thing as buses, and and the the fact that one of you crazy conspiracy theorists are coming in here with 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 your bus talk, and and trying to get me in onto the bus con- uh, conspiracy, like it just doesn't. Mm, there are there's no such thing as buses. I'm so sorry. Um, how would you make? The grand opening of a restaurant go wrong. Ooh, a quantum leap into the chef and um, and eat all the food. You never trust a skinny chef, and so come out and be like, "Sorry, I ate all the food." Yeah, that's what I would do. Um, when did we first jump the shark? Uh, episode one of of this of this uh, podcast when uh, when we said the buses weren't real i think that was a real uh, jump the shark moment uh however sharks have been around for millions of years uh they're older than dinosaurs they are one of the most ancient lineages of life still existing uh, on the planet and so i would say probably millions of years ago uh was when somebody first jumped a shark uh, like flying fish or something like you know i'm sure a shark would have been chasing something and something would have jumped over it. like it's, it's, we didn't capture it in the fossil record, so I'm not... Oh, we did! Maybe there's a fossil of something jumping a shark. 
How would that be fossilized? I'm not sure. I'm not a scientist. Um, but my, at just a guess, millions of years ago uh, was when uh, when we first jumped the shark. Uh, can you do me a favor? Yes, yes, I can. I'm I'm very well capable of doing a favor. Um, so whatever favor you want me to do, uh, hit me up. Maybe I'll 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 get it done by the next Q and A. Is dissolving alkaline hydrolysis, the body, less or more disturbing to think about than cremation? Now, as somebody who, hmm, for any lawyers listening, this is a joke. <laughs> as somebody who has very familiar with both dissolving and cremating bodies, uh, they're both pretty equal. They're both, it's the smell really that that you wouldn't think you don't think about but you know what is the most disturbing to think about well it's the smell the smell is the most disturbing to think about in both cases so uh talk to your local funeral home about what option is best for you is is my advice would promission be better or worse um Huh. See, this is this is a thinker because I don't know what permission is, and so I'm not quite sure which way to go in this. Um, in which case, I would say it'd be worse then, because, or it could be better. Hmm. All right. This is this is going to be live on air. I'm going to find out what permission is. Do do do. Oh, it's related to the other one. Um, it's freezing, freezing the body. Um, see, look, this is where I come out and, and say that I would like to be organically eaten by plants and fungus. So any other methodology is worse or better. I'm not sure what the metric for this is. Um, so, so yeah, um. If you find me dead, dump me in the wood somewhere. Uh, and that's less disturbing to think about because it's more au naturel. Anything else is sort of just, you're adding more steps to it than needs to be. Um, dump me in the ocean. Let me be like a whale fall, you know, or something like that. You know, help really boost ocean life. I think that's, that's what we should be doing. Um, None of this fancy taking up space with cemetery thing. None of this, you know, chemical dissolving or cremation, which is just going to be throwing more carbon into the atmosphere. Humans take us out to sea, right? And we can use sailing ships. We can do clean energy with this, right? And then just dump the bodies and let the bodies sink to the ocean, get eaten by crabs and, you know... Uh, all the different planktons and things like that and really help revitalize because this is the thing killing off all the whales is really bad for the oceans because like whales are really good fertilizers and like 70 percent of our oxygen comes from the oceans and so getting rid of all the whales you're kind of just screwing the oceans up so what we should be doing is feeding humans to planktons so that whales have more to eat and so there are more whales that can continue the ocean cycles 
so like everything else is worse so what we should be doing is ocean bury bury people at sea that is my solution to all this so to answer the question is dissolving a body or cremation or permission better or worse it's 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 neither it's burial at sea is the best that's the best option everything else is obsolete i hope that answered the question <laughs> would you rather hang out with some socialized rats or some regular human beings <laughs> what's the difference <laughs> um but no, rats are, are very intelligent creatures, and I think are very underrated. And if I had the opportunity to hang out with some socialized rats, sign me up. Uh, me and some rat buddies eating some cheese together, discussing how we both hate kings, either rat or human. Doesn't matter. You know, give me, give me them socialized rats any day. Right? Still. Stuffed crust pizza, abomination, or the only way? I would say the only way to have a stuffed crust pizza is if the crust is stuffed with more pizza. You make a pizza, you roll it up, you stuff it into a crust of another pizza, and now we're talking, right? But, but, you want the best, the best stuffed crust pizza? Is you get a pizza that's been stuffed with another pizza, you roll that up and you stuff it into the crust of another pizza, right? And you can just do layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of pizza stuffed into pizza, stuffed into pizza, stuffed into pizza, until you just have the essence of pure pizza. And then you stuff that into a crust of a pizza and mwah. Either that or a cheesy stuffed crust is just, oh, yes, please. So, you know, whatever. Do you ever shout, stay out of the kiln at people, and do they have any idea what you mean? Yes, but only when they're getting in the kiln. Right? Because then I say, stay out of the kiln. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, don't get into the kiln. And they're like, did you say get in the kiln? And I said, yes. And then they get into the kiln, and I'm like, stay out of the kiln and and they don't and it's this whole big thing um where is the best place to go for dinner my place you come on round to my place i'll cook you some dinner doesn't matter what we're having because the best food is the friends we made along the way M might i get confused about what I mean by that and accidentally end up cooking you and we end up in some sort of crazy cannibal situation where it's like, can you come around for dinner but it ends up that you are for dinner? Maybe. But we'll get a wacky comedy out of it anyways and I mean, human bodies aren't the most healthiest thing to eat because of prions so maybe instead we'll just make a pizza instead, right? But either way, to answer the question, the best place to go for dinner is my place. Um, and the final question is, what kind of things inspire you when it comes to comedy or improv? Uh, this is where I get serious. And as you say, what really inspired me uh, to go into comedy and improv was my dad. Uh, my dad was a maths teacher um, by trade, but also he was a bit of a natural comedian. 
he lived a bit of a hard life, and I think he used comedy as a coping mechanism, and I think I inherited that off him. Uh, but one of the ways that I still relate to my dad today is through pun battles. Uh, we'll find an article in a newspaper or online that we're both interested in, and we'll send it to each other, and we'll make puns about it. And sometimes these things can last for days of just sending puns back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And so he was he was really the one that first introduced me to comedies. He will still uh, bring up some old obscure British comedy from when he was uh, a young kid. And he, he was really the one that got me interested in, in all of that. And so what inspires me is when I make dad jokes, like... It's kind of me trying to relate to my dad. And I'm an uncle now, and so I got two little, uh, well, I got a niece and a nephew, and, you know, I gotta be, I, I gotta be carrying that energy onto the next generation. And so I gotta be coming up with the cutting edge uncle jokes, right? Did you know that there are no, no uncle books out there, right? Uh, that, you know, there is mummy books and daddy books and whatever else books, you know, so-and-so's first day at school, so-and-so goes to a, to a picnic, baby's first uh, hydraulic chemistry books. So many books for, for kids. None of them are about uncles. And I, I think that's offensive. And so what inspires me is, is, is I'm going to make a book uh, for kids about uncles. And it's going to be the funniest book that anybody ever read, uh, ages six months to six hundred months. Which I think, back in my head, is like, I don't know, 50? If my maths is right? Either way, if you're older than that, write your own book. Lots of things inspire me when it comes to comedy and improv. Being bored at work inspires me. Uh, when I'm bored at work, my brain will start thinking of jokes. I will read a read a news article and start thinking about jokes about it i will see something in my own life and my brain will be like what about a joke uh it's 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 interesting i don't know where jokes are going to come from they just exist in the in the ether and i somehow just absorb them um so what inspires me other comedians uh, comedians forever have been inspiring comedians whether that's stealing jokes or being inspired by jokes or thinking like well that's an interesting way of looking at things or just seeing a comedian sort of making jokes and thinking i can make better jokes than that and then trying and then who knows maybe you do maybe you don't but at least you tried and it's, it's life is inspiring uh life people take life too seriously uh, i know i get it like look at the world things are dark People are living horrible, horrendous lives. Um, it's a crisis of humanity. Um, we're facing so many challenges at the moment as a planet, as a species, as, as just humans. That we need escapism. We need... I got really serious at the end here, but like the 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 point being is is that jesters exist for a reason. Uh, comedians, I believe, are a vital part of society. Uh, that even going back all the way to ancient Egypt and the you know invention of agriculture and the Indus Valley and wh wh whatever, right, all the way back to the ancient. Like I believe cavemen 
sitting around fires after a mammoth hunt, you know, after a day of successful harvesting, or, or whatever. They would have been telling jokes. A chieftain farts and everybody loses it. Like, humans, we're funny. We're funny. When we have a natural humour, right? We we would tell kids. You ever see a child and they've never been, like, exposed to the world and they're just naturally some of the funniest people you'll ever come across? Like, when my little niece was, like, one and a half years old, she was the funniest person on the planet, right? She had such a way of of thinking about things and interacting with things and the expression on her face. It, it was such, like, she was a better comedian than I could ever inspire to be, and for some reason she could just get to the heart of my funny bone with a look. Like, she would be eating dinner, and, like, something would, would drop, and she would react to it in just a certain way, and there was just such comedy there, right? Humans are instinctively hilarious, right? That's what inspires me, because I think that comedy is instinctively a very natural human instinct. And so when I do this little silly show and try to make jokes and try to make light of life... This is me trying to relate to you, the audience, in a very fundamental human way. Or, you know, somebody slipped on a banana peel and it was hilarious. Like, I, I don't know, comedy is subjective. And whether you find this funny or not, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to make people laugh. I'm just trying to, you know, relieve people from the dreariness of life for at least half an hour every week. I'm trying my best here, guys and gals, and just... Envy, pals. Yeah. You know, just... Whoever you are, I hope... I hope I got at least a chuckle or a smile out of you, at least. So... So, yeah. Now now you know a little bit more about me and... Probably the people that support me. Like, these are the kind of questions that they ask. And... And so, yeah. Uh, that's the that's the Q and A. That is all the the cues that I had to a. Um, in in the future, I'll be putting out more of these, so watch out for that. Uh, yeah, um, and thanks for listening. If you got to this far in the end of my rambling, like okay, so this is the question: Why am I called Waffles? Right, it's not my real name. <laughs> Being really real for you with a second, Waffles is not my real name. I think you probably could have guessed that. Why am I called Waffles? This episode should have told you I have a tendency to waffle on, right? To waffle on means just to talk about inane whatever, right? That's why I'm called Waffles. <laughs> so hopefully, bonus queue, people have been aing since... Or bonus A, people have been queuing since... I got it in high school. As in, like when I started started studying acting in high school, there was an improv class that some of the senior students were running at lunchtime. I thought, yeah, this sounds like something that could be a bit of fun. Went along, started doing improv, just started talking as I do, and they're like, we're going to call you Waffles. And over the years, I've hopefully learned to refine that into a bit more of a uh, productive channel. Uh, but every so often, uh, you just get me talking about something and I will just waffle on literally for hours. I would, like, 
win speech and debate and stuff because I could just out-talk the other person. I, I, I have such an endurance for talking. I do a podcast. You probably noticed I can talk for hours on end without stopping. So that's why I'm called Waffles. So that's you, bonus A, to the Q. Thanks for listening. Uh, and I hope you have a good day because, you know, life's a bit shit at the moment. Um, but, but hey, you know, maybe, maybe this helps. Maybe this maybe this podcast helps helps not feel shit for a bit. So you know, whatever. I'm just a random guy in my room trying not to upset my flatmates. Um, yeah. Until next time. Bye. Uh, and of course, a special thank you to Brad from the Fate of Iceland podcast, Jasha Drake from Podzilla. Violet, just from being an awesome person. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Samsara at Gamers ADHD. And Michelle Gersh. Just thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, and to answer the question of who are the best patrons on the planet, uh, I believe I just did. So... Thank you, all of you. You're just beautiful people. Uh, bye.